later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he'd received the drink, Jesus said, it's finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I was home alone at lunchtime last week, and I don't really know why I did, but I flicked on the TV. I can't remember what I watched, but I do remember the commercials. And I will say this, it was an eye-opening experience and a much-needed one, as it turns out. Firstly, someone in a lab coat gave a very compelling presentation as to why my life needs a superfood nutrition extractor. And look, judging by the before and after photos, my life is going to be transformed and yours can too. But before I could place an order, the next advertisement came on for funeral insurance. The fine print said they were paid actors, but I could tell they were genuine. And last, no advertising segment would be complete without the promotion of the latest weight loss breakthrough. All up, this 90 seconds of daytime television convinced me my life is dangerously out of control and there's every chance yours is too. We like being in control, don't we? We respect people who are in control. We follow people who are in control. But, you know, as I reflected on that passage that Josh just read to us from John chapter 19, I found myself asking, why didn't Jesus take control? Why didn't he take control? Why didn't he stand up for himself? But as I thought about it some more, maybe I was really asking, how did things unravel so badly for Jesus? And so for the next few minutes, I want to reflect with you on that passage from John chapter 19, and in particular, those final words of Jesus, it is finished. And as we do, we're going to see that my initial reaction to these events was completely wrong. Despite appearances here, Jesus is in total control. He's working to a plan, and that plan involves the most extraordinary demonstration of love that you'll ever know. So let me pray as we take a closer look at this passage. Why don't you join me as I do that? Gracious God, would you prepare our hearts to hear from your word? And especially as we see the Lord Jesus giving his life as the ransom for many. Prepare us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, up to this point of his life, Jesus has been in command. Whether it was healing incurable diseases or debating community leaders about the latest moral controversy or even confronting people who were demon-possessed, he always managed to find a way to bring order to some very chaotic and disordered situations. But now, verse 16, finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Having earlier been arrested by the Jewish leadership and given over to the Roman authorities, it's Pilate who calls the tune now. 
And as Jesus is handed over to Pilate's soldiers and they take charge, it becomes clear there's not going to be any last-minute heroics here. Jesus is done for. And through all this, Jesus barely opens his mouth, which, if I'm honest with you, I find a little frustrating because, well, with nothing left to lose, this seems like the perfect opportunity for one last rebuke, one stinging kind of opportunity to really stick it to his opponents, but you get none of that. In fact, really, all we get is this strange comment in verse 30, it's finished. And so to the casual observer, you could be forgiven for thinking that Jesus has given up. It's finished. Begging the question, what's finished? What does Jesus want us to understand by this comment and what's it got to do with me? There have been a couple of times in my life where I've tried hard to understand postmodernist art. But because I'm slow and ignorant, I have a history of missing the point. But there is one piece of contemporary art that I do understand. A Danish artist was commissioned to recreate some of his earlier work. And to do so, the sponsoring museum provided him with the materials he was to use, which were a series of banknotes. Soon after, as agreed, two canvases arrived at the museum. But, you know, the artwork process, it's a little bit unpredictable. Because strangely, as these canvases arrived, they were both blank and they were titled, Take the Money and Run. Who said art and capitalism don't mix? This is it behind you. And it drew crowds, believe it or not. Now, I share that with you by way of example. Because I wonder sometimes if people look at the death of Jesus, they know there's something going on. But they can't quite work out what it is. They can't quite make sense of it or grasp the point. What's Jesus mean when he says it's finished? And what's it got to do with me? Well, if we're going to make sense of a question like that, we need to see firstly that Jesus is working towards a plan. Look with me. Verse 24, the the soldiers are taking charge of Jesus. They're competing for souvenirs and we're told that this happened so that the scripture might be fulfilled. And verse 28, from the cross, Jesus is thirsty. He asks for a drink so that the scripture would be fulfilled. And then finally, verse 36, when the soldiers pierced Jesus' side to confirm his death, we're told this happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. What does this mean? Well, at the very least, it means Jesus didn't need to take control because Jesus never lost control. In fact, it's no exaggeration to say the reason God's son took on a body was for this moment. And strange as it might sound, the death of God's son, this is the moment Jesus has been working towards all this time. Meaning that although Jesus was wrongfully arrested, even though Jesus was wrongfully convicted and wrongfully sentenced, all of that remains true, but he is not a powerless victim in all of this. Actually, 
If we'd been reading John's account from the beginning, we might remember some of the words Jesus himself spoke. I am the good shepherd, he says of himself. I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me. That is my life. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus is in control here. Jesus is working towards a plan, but still the question remains, doesn't it? What does Jesus' death have to do with me? Or if I was to ask that same question in a slightly more pointed way, what makes Jesus' death necessary for me? And oddly enough, it's here, I think, that perhaps my daytime television experience might just prove useful after all. Not the superfood nutrition extractor. I'm not talking about that. No, it's the realisation. It's the acceptance that actually it's true we are dangerously out of control, each of us, and we're headed for disaster. When Jesus says, it's finished, he means the work he came into the world to achieve is finished, it's completed, the task he received from his father and that he willingly undertook through his death, this work is finished, meaning that in his death, Jesus exposes for us the terrible end result of human evil in which we all participate. That evil we see played out on the world stage when belligerent nations like Russia invade their neighbours. But equally too, that same evil we see played out and that we experience within our own hearts. In the death of Jesus, we see the result. And so the confronting reality of Good Friday is that, well, all of us in our own way, we've treated God terribly. And in the death of his son, we see the consequence. Instead of acknowledging God or showing him any kind of gratitude, we grasp after every good gift that he gives us, but then we treat him, the gift giver, as a nuisance to be ignored. This is our standard operating procedure. It's what the Bible calls sin. And even if you recoil at the idea of being labelled a sinner, I'll guarantee you this, you know what it feels like to be sinned against. What makes the death of Jesus necessary for me? Well, to put it bluntly, Jesus exposes what I'm really like. And having made myself an enemy of God, Jesus, his death demonstrates the penalty that I deserve. How could I complain? Unavoidably then, Good Friday gets personal. But at the same time, if you're willing to accept it, it's here that Good Friday can become good news. If in the moment of his death Jesus had said, I am finished, that might have sounded more natural to us. But he didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. So what does Jesus have in mind? Earlier in John's account, Jesus describes the reason why he came. And he puts it like this. He said, I've come to do the will of him who sent me 
and to finish his work. And what is the Father's work? What does he want? We don't have to guess because Jesus reveals it to us. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I'll raise them up at the last day. At which point we're given a new perspective on what is a unique death. Such that when Jesus says it's finished... In him we witness the seemingly impossible combination of both full justice and complete mercy at one and the same time. As God's anger at our sin is absorbed through his son. It's in that moment that Jesus makes your forgiveness possible. Peace with God, a rich welcome into his family, eternal life in Jesus' kingdom. All of this is made available to you because... It's finished. And so the question then becomes on a day like this is will you accept the offer? Will you admit that you're not in control? Will you admit that your default is to treat God as a nuisance to be avoided? And will you allow Jesus to step in and to give to you the forgiveness that you so desperately need? There'll never be a better time and you'll never hear a better promise. So let me pray. Why don't you join me? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So, Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise for your love towards us in Jesus. While we were still far off and your enemies, you are hard at work, providing the forgiveness we need. And so we do thank you. And we pray that you'll enable us to receive Jesus as our Saviour and that you'll show us how we can live with Jesus as our Lord. This we ask in Jesus' name. Would you please stand now for the third song, How Deep the Father's Love. After which uh, David and Kate Horn will come and bring the prayers to you. (coughs) 